welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. All right, everybody, welcome back to another Knock On Podcast. This is going to be a really special one as well because uh we've got probably one of the most decorated 3d archers of all time and just a phenomenal archery not just in 3d but also in target archery former uh vegas champion i've got uh, my good buddy jeff hopkins how you doing buddy how you doing, John? And at the introduction, I, I'm starting to swell up on the other end and get all teary-eyed. I know, well, we all get teary-eyed when we watch a shoot, Jeff. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Good. Yeah, how have you been, man? Enjoying? Doing enjoy- great. I've had a good good start to the year. I've had uh, three ASA tournaments that I've shot well at. And uh, as you well know, we're living in Iowa now. My family and I, we moved to Iowa and absolutely love it here. But the weather is uh, a little hard to get out and practice. Yeah, uh, we're definitely dealing with some wind right now that uh, typically we don't deal with. Um, I had told you before you moved here just how nice it was always to shoot, and then Mother Nature's making me look like an idiot right now. (laughs) It's all good, though. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're close by, too, because um, you and I go back a long way, and... And I mean, we both say it all the time. You're a dear friend, and and just the whole family not not just our relationship as shooters, but you know, uh, Tara and Sharon are are great friends, and you know, Scott and Harry are buddies, and uh, you know, we've we've I think we're pretty much living the dream life. You know, we're just you and I love archery, and uh, and we're able to to be blessed that have wives that support us and, and kids that are great kids and, and love it, love it as well. And, and, uh, and we're in one of the best States to combine all that together. So. Uh, yeah, truly. I mean, it, it basically sums up real trees, uh, you know, logo of family, friends in the outdoors. I mean, we're, we're truly, uh, I know I wouldn't be where I am and, and you either without a great woman behind us both. And, my wife and my kids and uh, just uh, the outdoors uh, and archery has been a big part of my life and yours and and uh, we would never met if it weren't for archery so um, the friendships and the bonds that you create through all that are really really awesome yeah there I mean there there's no value that you can put on that but you know what's funny is a former president said that you know behind every man is is a is a better woman but and uh, I mentioned that to Sharon one time, and she actually corrected me, and uh, and she was right. She says, in front of every man is a better woman, and uh, I'm so thankful that, you know, you and I both, we, we, we fly by the seat of our pants a lot of times on everything from buying farms to, you know, <laughs> whatever we do, and they're always there to look at us like, really, you're going to do that again? Yep. No doubt. Well, no doubt. We're going to dive into several subjects today. But um when we do that, I also want to also tell a few stories because um and oh I boy. think I think you'll agree with me that you know what what's most important to archery is all of us having fun. You know, that that's really what that's what it's always kept me doing it. That's what's kept, you know, even though I'm not shooting, you and I have been friends uh, because we just continue to have fun. We like to uh, joke around, and even when we get together, we're still doing the same thing. But that's what that's what keeps archery alive, you know, especially with guys that have put on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of miles and hundreds of thousands of practice arrows and you know, finding ways to, to just be positive at archery, be positive with the friendships and have fun. You know, that's that's the reason that I, you know, I know that the reason you got into it, archery and tournament archery, uh, was fun. And I mean, I 
reason I got into it, and you know, a lot of people ask a lot of questions um, on my web website or come up to me at the tournaments or whatever. And, you know, it all it it all goes back to me uh, when I get in a shooting slump or I'm not judging well or just not having a good tournament. You just kind of look up the sky and say, you know what, I got into this to have fun and just uh, take the good with the bad and you know what, put a smile back on my face and move forward and um, have fun because I truly, after 21 years of shooting professionally, I still absolutely love shooting my bow and casting arrows and, you know, just the challenge of it and uh, the, the competitive uh, part of it. Um, it's just, it's fun. I mean, I, I still love shooting my bow and uh, there isn't a day that I don't wake up and think about shooting my bow, it seems like. So, um it's it's all good on my end on that still. Well, and <laughs> that that's a good that's a good segue for for me to tell a story a Jeff Dudley story because you know the day that you and Tara and Scott came and everything was official that you guys were in Iowa and you know I said you know why don't you guys come over to the house and we'll have a grill out and everything and. You know, I was looking forward. It was a couple days before. It might have been a week before uh, hunting season started. So I said, uh, you know, I was looking for a fun night of shooting in my backyard with my good friend and our boys. So I set up a whole course in the backyard, had all new targets out, had everything groomed, you know, Yard was all mowed. We had, you know, picnic tables set up out there. I mean, everything was set up for a night of fun archery. And I made the mistake of calling you and saying, hey, <laughs> well, I'll let you tell it. <laughs> you said bring your hunting bows over and we'll shoot our hunting bows. <laughs> Mine was still in the box. I had never set it up yet. And just so everybody knows, I think John is uh, a master at uh, setting up bows. I mean, he's truly a uh, a great, awesome bow mechanic. And uh, so I brought my bow over in the box, and so did my son. <laughs> and uh, we showed up to his door with our bows still in the boxes and rest and sights all laying out <laughs> in, a, in a box. And, and it was pretty funny. It was a good moment. Yeah, I said, you said... Well, you told us to bring our hunting bows. Oh, man, I was like, great. This goes from a night of flipping burgers and making some fun shots. So now I'm stuck in the basement tying on knocking points and peep sights and getting getting you two all set up. But you had a kick out of it. You had just done, got done with the whole 3D tour, and I know how that is when you finally get that last world championship out of the way and – the last yep. thing you want to do is set up a bow. <laughs> yeah, but it was just, it was perfect timing. Of it, all. it was all good. It was, it was. Your laugh never gets old to me. I always, it's that, all, it always makes me smile when I hear Jeff Hopkins laughing. Well, it's not hard to get to me to laugh, so it's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Well, the number one question that I continually get asked, or especially that I'm getting asked right now, is, I was really fearful that before we get on the subject of of uh, archery again, I was really fearful that you were going to bring up a story of like a rental car or something at a tournament. I was I was afraid of that. Well, here's the deal: you and I have roomed together. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it's I didn't even tell you this, but um, just earlier this morning, um, I actually did a podcast with Dave Step, and. <laughs> As you know, Dave and I roomed together until Dave quit shooting, and then you and I roomed together. So the rule is, and and I want to go on record to say, I picked my roommates. I made a poor choice in a roommate one time, and that was with Johnny Heath. From there on out, I picked my roommates very wisely, and we we never got into the trouble that a lot of guys get on in the road, we got in, we got in trouble, I guess, in like manly ways, you know, probably wrecking tires on rental cars and stuff that most kids listening should know that, you know, you shouldn't do that at at home or at a tournament. But no, I was going to keep the stories kind of 
I wasn't going to give away any of our secrets. But, okay, good. All so, right. So, so yeah, I mean, and, and there's a few few good ones out there that we'll get to, but when it comes I to when it, one time, I was blamed on tour for changing the age limit on being able to rent a vehicle. <laughs> yeah, you're the it be you, like 18 when I started. Now it's probably 25. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell you that's why when I started, I had to room with Randy Chapel and Sonny Chapel because I was 18 and I couldn't rent a car till I was 25. Then I had to room with Step, and then I had to room with you because I couldn't rent a car because all between you and Alan Connor. They they heard they saw the word ASA Pro Shooter and every rental car in the comp in the country decided to change their age limit. So we'll leave it at that without getting you in too much trouble. All right, good. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk judging yardage because you know there's a lot of guys out there that are um, you know, and this just doesn't apply only to 3D archery. A lot of field archers and and hunters. You know, learning to judge yardage for me, um, and you know, I started, I started shooting competitive 3D archery to be a better bow hunter, and and you know, I wanted to be a better hunter, so I learned I wanted to judge targets better, and I wanted to shoot better, and then honestly, once I changed to target archery and I got into field shooting, especially feet of field with unmarked, my days of judging yardage for 3D bailed me out of a lot of really, really tricky targets. So let's talk a little bit about what you do for preparation for judging targets. And and I realize a lot of pros out there, you know, you've just looked at targets so long. And I know that when I was, I guess, in my prime, it just got to the point where you looked at targets so long that your mind just knew what a target looked like at a distance, just based off size or how much detail you could see. But Let's try to let's not only get into the I guess the professional, you know, the elite side of judging, but let's also give give some listeners out there the pointers, even the guys getting started. What's the best fundamental way to to start that process? Probably, I mean, just I mean, going right back to when I started uh really getting proficient with it. Um and and I do think uh growing up um, before I ever shot my first 3D target or, um, you know, really shot my first deer with a bow. I mean, um, I worked in the outdoors, uh, farming, hunting, as a hunting guide, uh, setting decoys um, all the time. Even in the wintertime, you're setting a waterfowl rig in a field or on the water, you know, just trying to set the pocket where the birds are going to be 20, 25, 30 yards, 28 yards you know, pulling a tractor across the field in a 30-foot drill, it's, that's 10 yards, and you just, you get an eye for stuff. Um, but going back to just basics for somebody that has a yard or a place to go to practice, um, just objects, whether it be an arrow every five yards or, you know, a bag of, um, you know, old towels and rags put in a trash bag and you put them down the ground or cinder blocks or bricks or stumps, logs, or whatever, and get an eye for what 20, 25, 30, 35, as far out as you want to go. And it truly is amazing when you really, your mind adjusts to that. Mine has over the years where you just, I mean, I can close my eyes and open my eyes and I know where 20 yards is. And when I say I know, I may be a yard off for a a yard either way. Um, And, you know, 25 yards, 30 yards. Um, you get an eye for that if you don't have the targets to practice. Um, all the different target sizes on the ASA or an IBO, um, really, that's the trickery part. I mean, it's sort of like this past tournament. Um, in three ASAs this year, I've shot six eights. Um, no fives, just six eights. You know, that's, that's getting it done as far as your yard. I look at that as your yardage is pretty good. Um, you've not had any really boo-boos as far as your yardage, and you've shot well. But even at the level that I'm at now, it's amazing how, like this past tournament, I shot two eights all weekend out of 40 targets in the woods, and they were both on the HD deer. And, 
you sh- folks that don't know, you shoot a, a range of targets that um, you'll shoot one of those targets the first day and one the second day, and you'll shoot a pig and, you know, a bear and, you know, different targets in different scenarios. And the first day it was target number 19, and after I shot it, I realized the target was about 43 and a half yards, 40, 43 and a three quarters of yards, and I shot it for 41 yards. And I actually put a yard on it. I thought it was 40. And I broke a great shot, top of the 12, and shot an 8 low. And I'd shoot it again for that. I mean, it really fooled me. And that was after I'd shot 18 other targets and hadn't shot an 8. I mean, my yardage was good. It was crisp. I was seeing good numbers. And it's that change of the scenery, um, the change of size of the target, um, lighting, there's just a lot of factors that go into it that a target looks a certain way. And even as proficient as you think you get with it, it's still, it's very challenging. Um, you know, that target, and then the next day, the same target for what, and I usually judge that target really well. Um, it was like 39 yards the second day, actual yardage. I let it off, and it was like target number six of the weekend. And I shoot it for 36 yards, shoot a low eight. Um, just fooled me so, I mean, amazing. Still very challenging at the level that, that I'm at with it all. Um, but the basics of it, it is truly amazing if you go out in your yard, put an arrow every five yards, if you have a target or if you just put a bag target up. You do get an eye for your eye adjusts to certain things. And then if you get to the point where, um, for myself, when I go to the tournaments, I try to get there a day or two before the tournaments actually start. And you sort of like throwing a, um, if you were to go out in your yard right now, and I was to go out in the yard and have th- throw a football around, I wouldn't want to go today because it's blowing like 40 here. But if I was to go out in the yard and, and have catch with my son with a football, and I know people are probably laughing at this, but it's true. If you were to throw a football at somebody at 20 yards or at 10 yards or at 30 yards, you, would think, you wouldn't think about it. You would just chunk it. And it's the same principle in an arrow. If you don't think about it and just kind of like let it happen, like look at it and go, you know, it's sort of like a shortstop that threw 9 million times. I'm sure Derek Jeter's thrown a gazillion times in his life, the Yankees shortstop, to first base. And he probably doesn't even think about it at this point. Um, it just it comes naturally. And it is amazing when you get doing that stuff how you really don't think about it. I mean, I it just becomes part of you. Yeah. Well, and, you know, there was there's certain guys that set courses that understand a lot of those little things that trick you. So, you know, people get in a good, you know, a good position to put you know, a target by a really big tree or something to where it looks smaller to where, you know, your brain is going to assume that it's further away. And likewise, you know, like you said on that HD deer, I know that there were certain targets for me that, you know, a big part of, I think a big part of being successful as a pro or as an archer, I guess, is it's not about making, not making mistakes because it's pretty rare that you don't make a mistake. The secret to really being a top level archer is when you make a mistake to not make it again at the tournament. You have to realize that if, if there's a flaw in your form, you have to catch it and correct it. If there's a flaw in what you're, you know, what you're judging, then you have to correct it. You know, there were tournaments where I would go up and for whatever reason, even out on the practice range, I just felt like I was under judging everything. So I, I had to ultimately adjust myself and say, okay, if this is what I'm confident it is, I need to give it a little because I'm consistently under judging in this terrain for whatever reason. And some people just, they don't make those compensations and they just continue to dig holes and dig holes. And for me, there were certain targets that I always misjudge low. And I remember for me, it was always the Brown McKenzie bear. No matter how many times I practiced on that thing, it just seemed like whenever I got onto a course, 
I would always judge that thing like two yards short. And when they put those on an angle, you know, it just seems like that ten ring gets small really fast. Um, well, it, you're you're so you're exactly you're hitting the nail right on the head, John. As far as you know, there's certain targets still. I mean, I practice as much as anybody, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to um, travel to the tournaments and get there a day or two early and really hone my skills on judging and preparing for a tournament. And even then, there are still certain targets that I have, no matter what I see them, and I can judge every other target out there to a T. If I was to walk up to a, you know, a warthog, I don't know what it is about that target. If it's 40 yards and I've, I have to shoot it for 40 yards, I still have to put two yards on that thing because I'm going to shoot it low. Nine times out of the ten, I just play the odds. I'm going to underjudge that target for whatever reason. And I try to make it my favorite target, and even then I still I just really there's certain targets that give you fits no matter what lighting. Um, and then there's targets that I overjudge. Uh, the wolf, and all the years that I've shot the wolf, I still, and what I'm trying to help folks in saying that, you're not alone. I, I mean, if if you walk out there and you consistently struggle on a certain target, it, it's, it, I, for whatever reason, you're just going to have to adjust with it and, and uh, um, either add or take away or just hold in the center and hope for the best. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, uh, there's just targets like that. I know that... Um... For me, I know that for whatever reason, I always, well, I know the reason, actually. The reason for me was always, uh, you know, you know that I grew up playing football, and that's that's all I ever did. You know, I, I've i seen first and ten so many times that, and I, you know, and when I practice, I was always practicing, you know, I th- when I practice a lot as a passer, I practice throwing into garbage cans at 10 yards. So, um, you know, just to really key in on being able to deliver short passes, you know, first and 10, first and 10. So when I started shooting 3d for me, 10 yards was, it was, it was almost like when I looked up, I could see a grid. I could almost see the lines of a football field, marking those distances and for me whenever I struggled with the target I would always just try to find my you know I'd try to find my 10 and I would double it and then I think another thing too is if there was ever targets that when I looked at them I just really didn't have a hundred percent confidence I always found a lot of success on finding the halfway point you know, a lot of times you can look at anything and you know what half the distance is. And, yep. you know, and that might, you know, when you're in those situations as a 3D shooter, you know, you kind of have to, even though, you know, even though you might need a 12 or you might need a 14, you know, there's times where you step up and, you know, it's gambling. You know, you got to step up and if you if you step up there and you know, okay, I'm not 100% sure on this, but, you know, for me, I would always then say, okay, we'll try to half it. You know, let's let's try to nail the halfway point. And then I would judge that halfway point and double it. But then that would also be the target where I'm not going to be aggressive on the center of the 12. You know, I would probably go with a conservative hold and, you know, try to take what I can get and make sure I move to a target that was either one more favorable or two that I could see a little bit better, so I could be aggressive on one of those scoring rings. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And I, you know, the question that that uh, probably folks want me to answer is, what goes through my mind in judging when I walk up to a target? And when I walk up to a target, I immediately look at it of just what is my gut instinct of, and within a five yards of what it is. Okay, and that target may be 35, 45, whatever it is. And I look at it, and let's just say it's a deer target. And you walk up to it, and you're standing there at the stake, and you've got two minutes to judge it or somebody else is shooting. And you're standing there, and you look at it, and your gut instinct tells you it's, let's say, I'm just going to pick on 45 yards, and my gut instinct says it's 45 yards. 
human nature and the hunter that, that you are and I've, I've become, that you look at a target and you don't want to go high. I never want to go high on a target for whatever reason. 99% of the time, I'm low. Mm-hmm. And so let's say it's 45 yards when I just glanced at it real quick. If I was in the woods hunting and a deer stepped out, how far it is, and you got an instant to, to shoot it. So I'd look at the target, and that's just hunting perspective. How far is it real quick? And then I look at it, where is halfway? Halfway of 45 yards, looking at it on the ground, looking at it at the trees, whatever it may be. And then the tricky part for me is that last 5 to 10 yards back, I judge back from the target. And if it's 45 yards, that 5 yards back, I've really gotten good at looking down there on the ground of where 40 yards is, where's 35. And if I think I need to go a little farther on it, human nature, I'm usually low anyway, I may shoot it for 45 and a half, 46. But try to, you're exactly right, try to find halfway, try to find that last little bit. It's very easy to stand there where you are and look at the ground and judge 5, 10, 15, 20. That's pretty easy. It's that last if it's a 45-yard target, it's the last, last seven. Yeah. Sometimes so, even those last, especially, and then once it hits, like, close to that 50, those last three, I mean, you could be 47 or 53 really fast. Yep. yep. And if if you're not, I mean, it, it's, it's a game to a lot of the longer targets um, anymore. It's not that I don't aim at the 12. I always want to give my chance at, at hitting the 12, but it's, uh, you know, I may fudge it a little bit when I, you know, may put a yard on it. And you know what? If I shoot a, a 10 above the 12, I'll go to the next target. I'm not losing ground on that particular target to the field. Yep. Um, and it so, just gives you confidence. And you can, you can sit there and tell yourself, you know what? You had it. You nailed the yardage and you hit, you hit where you should because you added one. And that's a lot. That's a lot better positive mentality to carry into the next target versus crap. Now I need. I, now I need two back. I tell you, it it is amazing to me how many people out there. Um, I sh- I try to shoot every pro am at the ASA. ASA on Friday has a pro am where, um, gosh, I I hate to use the word amateurs, but. Um, you know, bow hunters that come, you know. Yeah, everybody a, who's there can can have a chance to, I guess, shoot with kids, a pro. Yeah, yeah that, that's always my favorite event. I had a that's, lady at the last program. I mean, her numbers were amazing. I mean, it was amazing. I was standing there, I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, she's like, because I don't want to sp- say what I think it is. Nobody else does. We're all standing there. It's great practice. And she was like, I think it's 38 yards. And she was, like, dead on. And it amazed me throughout all the programs I shoot, how well people judge yardage. I mean, there's a lot of, and then there's some guys that, and ladies that don't judge well, but um, as, a, as a whole across the board, I mean, there's just a lot of great yardage judgers out there now. I mean, it's amazing to me. Yep, yep. Well, I guess with that said, um, you know, at what at what point do you feel like you have to, you know, do you kind of, when you walk into a range, and I, I feel like I know the answer to these questions, but I'm kind of looking at it from a perspective of someone that's listening to this right now. But, you know, when I walk, when I would walk onto the range, and I guess I'll just ask you because you're the one doing it and you're the one people want to hear from right now. But when you walk onto a range, are you looking at that range and ultimately picking, picking the ones that you're gunning for? I mean, you're you're taking an inventory in your mind of what the layout is, and you kind of have a pretty good feel of the ones that you know that you're gonna that you're gonna gun for, don't you? Um, yes and no. I mean, anymore, I, I really go there with the the whole thought process of okay. The first five targets, not just the first five targets of the tournament the first day, the second day in different lighting, play it conservative a little bit. Um, don't shoot eights. I mean, for every eight you shoot, you have to shoot a 12 to make up. 
And, you know, I've started so many tournaments shooting 8, 10, 8, 8, gunning hard for the 12. Shoot some 10s, and you hit the nail on the head a minute ago. Even if I had a, a yard and shoot above the 12, okay, it builds confidence in knowing that your number's there. I mean, actually, I mean, like, I think a 50-yard target aiming at the 12, to me, is just as easy as a 25-yarder because that 25-yarder, you're actually losing points to the field when you shoot a, a 10 on that. You have to get that one. Yep. Or a 20 or You have to get that one. You can't miss that target right. in the field ring. You have to get those long ones. Or you don't have to get those long ones is my point. And so really just kind of play it safe a little bit. And then if you're judging well, it doesn't matter if it's 50 yards or 30 yards. You know, and if other eras dictated anymore. If, you know, um, you know, I, I know... The pin knocks, and um, you know, I, I watched uh, last tournaments a lot of glance outs. I mean, it hurt people's scores, um, and a lot of times I just look at it and go, you know what? I'll, you know, and it's a great rule now. You can aim at the upper twelve. You can call it to your group and say, I'm going for the upper twelve or the bottom twelve. Um, so it does. But even then, an error hits dead center in the twelve ring. You've got to use your your noodle too to, you know, think about what you're doing there. Um, you know not going full bore just aiming hard at the 12 ring just because it's there and you know you, you kind of use the game play the game yep yep you know one lesson that you taught me a long time ago jeff was um and i still have a picture i have a picture from this um it was actually and i don't think there's been a shoot there in a long time but we actually shot a cabela's tournament in pennsylvania do you remember when we shot there? Yeah, it was in Warren, Pennsylvania years ago. Oh, years yeah, back. yeah, yeah. It was, and um, you and I were both in the shoot-off there, and, uh, you know, I remember, I think you won that tournament, and, um, and you know, and you, you obviously beat me in the shoot-off, and I remember being a little bit frustrated, you know, because that was my rookie year, and I had several goals for myself, and, you know, one of them was to be able to shoot up, and I remember the other one was to be able to make a pro check, and then the third one was to make a pro shoot off. But then, obviously, my major goal was to win a tournament, and I remember, you know, I remember asking you, um, you know, about that, and I and you told me you said you have to learn how to win. You know, I don't. I don't know if you remember that, or even if you remember what your mindset then was. But it's such a, it's such an important thing for people to come to terms with. You know, because a lot of people get to that position in different ways. Some, for me, I I didn't win so much that I finally just said, you know what, I'm just tired of doing this all the time. You know, I'm just gonna shoot how I know I can shoot, and I'm gonna win. You know, and it seems like once you can do that, then your mind changes. You know, it seems like your confidence changes and you realize, you know, obviously you've been doing this as long as anybody out there right now. And you're still doing it, you know, in the men's pro division at, you know, a pristine level. But for the a lot of the guys out there, learning to win is a big hurdle for them. Well, it it is, um, but th- what I ask out of it and always have, um, one of the big things, and it's, you know, the first uh, three tournaments this year in ASA, I've put myself in position to win. And what I mean by that is I've gone out the first day and shot very well. I was in the first target. Um, they'll, you know, peer group every tournament, the first, you know, three tournaments now. Um, you know, down the stretch, I've shot well. Um, in Florida, I was way out of it on the first ten targets the second day, and I stormed back and shot eight, eight, tw- eight out of the last ten, twelve. Those targets went in a shoot down round, and you know, came from fifth place and from a few points of winning. Um, you know, it, it's it's just being that position where you've put yourself in position um, to have a few errors go your way, and you got a chance to win it. That's 
That's all I've ever asked for, um, having a chance to win. And I think that's all anybody could ask for. Um, you know, but when you do get in that position, um, you have to visualize and see yourself winning these tournaments. Um, and that's what I probably meant that day to you. You had put yourself in position to win a tournament. And, you know, it's, I think a lot of people, it scares them. You know, and I don't mean like they're afraid to win, but um, they don't picture themselves all at once. They're in that position, and um, you gotta you gotta believe and and uh, trust in yourself and your equipment. Um, you know, where you you put yourself in that position, you're there for a reason, and uh, you know it's a it's a great feeling. I mean, no doubt to be in that position. It's an awesome feeling. Yeah, you have to, and that's to be honest that. There's a couple good points out of this. One is, you know, when we've talked, well, you and I have talked, but on the podcast, I continue to talk about learning to make a surprise shot and learning to not anticipate the trigger. And there's some archers out out there that that win tournaments punching the trigger. I mean, and there and there always will be. Yep. But a lot of times, most of the time, those people are going to have. They're going to have days where they're extremely hot, but then they're also going to have days that are extremely cold. By learning to shoot the way that I preach, it's going to increase dramatically the opportunity for you to be within striking distance. And like Jeff just said, you can't win if you're not even close. You know, you have to be, you have to keep yourself in a position to where maybe you're not shooting good enough to maybe you're not actually the best shooter that weekend, but that might be the weekend where you have a couple breaks go your way and you're going to win it because you were right there. Not necessarily because you shot better, you know, there were tournaments. That's that was the only thing that was disappointing for me as a 3d archer and a big reason why I switched towards target archery was because I, I felt like the tournaments that I won, I didn't shoot my best. I just had everything go my way, but the tournaments that I shot my best, I just, I, I might've been off on a few targets judging but when it come to when it came to shooting and the execution of the shot, I just didn't feel like I was being rewarded for when I was the best archer. And yep. and that's why I started shooting target archery because that's that's the variable that you eliminate. You stand there and you make technical shots and whoever's shooting the best is going to score the best on the paper. But I think I think at least putting yourself in that position to be able to have the opportunity is is critical. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hit that right around the nail on the head. I mean, and folks, I mean, there's so many things that go into, um, you know, like 3D archery. I mean, you're aiming at something you can't see. You got to worry about it hitting other arrows, glancing out. You've got to, you know, you've got to judge the target properly. You got to deal with the elements outside of the, the shadows on the targets, the wind, uh, the rain, cold weather on your hands. I mean, it was in the 30s down there this past weekend. It was cold in the morning, um, you know. But it's just there's a lot of little elements that really go into it and make it. It's 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 challenging. It's very very challenging, and it's it's a hard thing to win but john kudos you've got to you hit the nail on the head you got to put yourself in position to win those tournaments um you know you may not be the the best archer there that day but just you put yourself in position at the end um fuel things can go your way and you're staying on the podium so um well you know i'm i'm sitting i'm sitting here uh in the office downstairs and i'm looking over to my left and the last thing that I ever won in 3D was because of you, buddy. <laughs> our, our uh, I mean, our our national triple crown mug is, you know, that that last national triple crown championship was was totally because of you. Do what you was that? It was 
the early 80s? No, no. The lo- <laughs> Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, buddy. No, do you, do, you, do you remember the story behind that? Because, you know, I had... I had a lot of things going on at work at the time and, and I had decided to not shoot competitively. And I was at the time working with Joel and Derek diligently to, to sign this, this stallion on the, on the team, Jeff Hopkins. Do you remember that? I remember a conference call. I was back in the late 90s, I guess. Yeah. Because I remember we want, and you probably just said this to to be nice, but we said, you know, what's it going to take for you to, for you to, to come to, to come over to the team, you know? And I remember you told me, you said, the only thing that I haven't won yet in archery is the National Triple Crown. Do you remember nope. that? And nope. you said, and you said, I want, I want to get that title. So you said, um, I remember you saying, I want to be able to pick my team for the national triple crown. Yep. And, uh, you probably just threw my name in there cause I was on the call, I guess, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew that you had a good work ethic with it all. And, and, uh, I'd shot with you enough at the time that uh, you made great shots. You weren't a, you know, a, a shooter that consistent-wise, you'd shoot very consistent. And I saw you at the time as somebody that could definitely win a, a tournament or two. Um, and, you know, your yardage was great. I, you know, so, yeah, I definitely wanted you on the team. So That was, that was an impeccable year, too. Me, you, you wanted me. Michael Anderson and Colin Booth and yourself. Yep. Colin. yep. And um, so that was before the IBO had 12s or 11s. And I remember that we shot so amazing that. We did. We all shot great. Not a, we never had a score under 390 to throw out because we could, we had to keep the three best scores. Yep, and and I remember like none of us wanted to be the guy that didn't keep the score. Like you didn't want to be the I, guy I, that got your score thrown out. I, do what now? <laughs> you did. You didn't want to be the one guy that didn't get your score used. I think poor Colin. We we rode him so hard <laughs> at the first one. We had to throw his score out, which he was only like, you know, I think we. Were, so he was tied with me or. I don't know. One of us was tied. I don't know which one it was, but we were tied on center, you know, X's they called at the time. And we had to throw his score out because one of us had more X's and we wrote him so hard about it. Because he, he was really, yeah. yeah, he came the next one and won it. And then yep. the the last one, I think, I think the last one we had, and it was in Nelsonville. We, yep. th- we threw out a 391 in Nelsonville. I remember, yep. which many, many years that would have won Nelsonville. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Nelson, that was a tough shoot. I mean, you know, you, you didn't you didn't see your, your your three on the first number on your slide bar much. You know, <laughs> yeah. Usually in the 40 to 60 range. <laughs> yeah, Dave, Steph, and I just talked about that. We were saying, you know, back when we shot at 3Ds, like, you, <laughs> you didn't – some of the courses you did not need the top two, you didn't need your top two lines. No, I mean they average. I have I have courses where I kept notes on that would average in the in the low to mid forties. And wow. and and you've shot those some of the the original NABH courses and some of the original Cabela's courses, you know, or um, IBO courses. Now the ASA always had kind of the forty five max back then, but even when they did, they still averaged in the low forties, even when they yep. had forty five as a max. And they'd angle them, and and you'd see just the crazy angles. The they would be laid, laid back, laid forward, angled. Yeah, they were. Tough. We shot over the years, and you know we still shoot a few every now and then that are pretty tough, but generally they're they're a little softer now than they used to be. 
Well, I have to tell the story for all the uh, listeners' benefit here of, uh, you know, once again, I talked about people that I've shot with in the past, and I've always tried to make it a point to go out and shoot with them and train with people that I know can help me raise my level. So I came out to Delaware to visit you guys, and, uh, you know, you and I were we were practicing a little bit, and uh and then you know i think we were hunting as well um but we were practicing some and you at the time you know you had switched to matthews but you had shot that that bear that bear omnicam i mean that was literally what launched your career as a professional no and i mean and it was like you know, every shooter has their bow to where it's kind of, especially ones that have won with a bow for many years. Like we just talked about this too. Dave Stepp, you know, he said that he pulled back his his old high country single cam that he built and won all of his shoots with. He said he pulled it back the other day. He couldn't believe how bad it felt, you know. But so <laughs> just to give all you guys a story, Jeff has this bow that's kind of like the holy grail to – archery bows you know he had won shooter of the year and world championships and i mean you'd won so many you know shoots in one year with that bow and i mean it had a pretty impeccable that was that was your go-to that was your your gem and he had it hanging up inside of his garage he had it like kind of hanging up on the wall and he had all of his checks that he had won asa checks and everything all in there and uh me and you were shooting in the garage and i said is so there it is huh and you said oh yeah that's it and i said uh, cool and and you said if you want you can shoot it and i said really and you said yeah go ahead <laughs> so <laughs> we you get it down and you hand it to me and i'm like standing right at the edge of your garage and as you like hand me the arrows the phone rang in the house so you said, oh, I'm going to grab that phone call quick. So you like ran, you kind of opened the garage into the house or the door into the house and you ran into the house and you like kind of take this phone call. So I kind of, I remember like looking back and you're kind of like looking at me like, go on, shoot it, you know? So I load an arrow and pull that thing back. And when I, when I let that arrow go, that freaking thing had so much recoil and vibration. That thing launched out of my hands and was doing somersaults end over end on the concrete going down your driveway. <laughs> and I remember just thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> and I look back, and you had your back to me, and you were on the phone. <laughs> you had your back to me. So I'm, like, running after your your old faithful trying to, like, catch it before it like completely wrecked itself so i grabbed it and i'm like kind of walking back into the garage like looking at the cam all the scuff marks on your cams and everything and i'm like brushing it all off and you kind of gave me the thumbs up like yeah it was pretty cool on so i hung i hung it back up high and then you came out and you're like what'd you think and i'm like yeah it felt pretty good <laughs> <laughs> yeah you didn't tell me that for a while oh uh, it was well, good though any good friend i laughed any good friend wouldn't. I wouldn't. I mean, how many times did that probably happen to you? If you forgot your wrestling with that thing, you might lose it permanently. That thing jumped like a like a trampoline, man. <laughs> oh, it was pretty good. <laughs> it was all good. It was great. Well, um, yeah. The thing is, that all seems like a hundred years ago now, John. I think it was. I think it was. Well, remember I put you on deer. I remember I put you on deer stand. I said, "Yeah, go down here in this swamp. It's really good." And I asked you before you went down there. I said, "You know, now look in Delaware. There's no poisonous snakes." And I said, "But we do have these water snakes." And I said, "But you're not afraid of snakes." And, he, and your eyes got really big about like you know <laughs> who isn't afraid I mean, of a snake? Not as big as softballs, but they were pretty big. You're like snakes. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, next thing I know, at dark you come out and you're like, dude. There are so many freaking snakes down there in that swamp. It's awful. I had to walk across the water, and there was like hundreds of these baby snakes. <laughs> I think I had stirred up a nest on my way in because when I came out, it just it looked like a bunch of spaghetti swimming out of the way. Like when I had to cross that like deep water hole that you sent me through. 
Uh, yeah. Oh, that was that was super fun. There's well, one thing I love about Iowa. There's no snakes here. I love it. Yeah, none that I've seen yet, anyway. Yet. So I don't like snakes. I know. I know. Well, here's the deal, dude. Um, we're supposed to get some good weather, so, you know, I, I am serious. I do want to, I mean, I, I enjoy shooting with you anyway. And, hey, I, uh, I don't want to throw you under the bus in front of everybody. Okay. Look, I've moved to Iowa now, and I never see you. We talk on the phone once in a blue moon. We've we've got together a couple times, but hey, I've got a range of targets. Call me, come out to the farm, let's shoot. You need to be back in 3D archery. You're great for it. You're awesome for archery. You need to be there, and get 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 out of the farm and practice with me, and um, get out there and uh, let's shoot Metropolis together or shoot um, a tournament this year at some point. Let's I know I've it. been trying to find, I've been trying to look at my schedule, but I, the problem is I've already got things kind of lined up. That's given me a bit of a, a conflict of scheduling here, but I do, I mean, you know, it. I will, um, you haven't been here really in the summer yet, which is kind of when I actually get to have some personal time. So, we're yeah. definitely going to shoot, dude. I mean, you know, we got right. to shoot a little bit for indoor season, and, you know, I enjoyed shooting when you, with you when you are preparing for Vegas and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, our farms are a mile apart, and I'm practicing in my building, and you're practicing outside at yours. We just need to get together. and I mean, Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about it at one point on the phone call a while back that the reasons we, you know, the main reason we got into archery was it was fun. Yep. And, uh, you know, call me, man. Let's get together and practice and, uh, you know, go show those guys what it's all about. And uh, well, you're too good of an archer not to be there. Well, so, you, right. all, you can still, it's Friday night now, so, you know, we can all go to dinner. So that's still an option, too. We need to we need to get together anyway. But uh, My son, he's got a, he's got a, he's shooting, he, he's not taking up archery a whole bunch, but he loves his trap and he's really competitive in the trap right oh, now. Oh yeah, so yeah, for FFA a, I think. Yeah, so we're going to go watch Scott, uh, he's got a trap uh, event tonight and then he's got one tomorrow morning, so. Awesome. Uh, well, thanks so much for joining me, dude, and I'll make sure we get some more and uh, I guess for everyone out there, you know, make sure you, you go and say hi to Jeff, and I know that, uh, I know you've got some great sponsors, Jeff, that, you know, help help you be a professional, and uh, if you want to give a shout-out to them, you know, feel more than welcome to you as well. Yeah, I can't thank everybody enough. To, can't thank you for having me on today, and uh, anybody out there, go to jeffhopkins.com. Uh, if you got any questions, I'll do my best to answer them. All right, sounds good. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to another Knock On podcast. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.